Welcome to Word on the Block, the series that takes a deeper dive into the emerging technology that shapes our world. It's what we cover on Forecast News. I'm Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Now, this is a special podcast in the age of coronavirus, and our special expert guest is Dr. Ariane Davison. She is a Hong Kong-based viral immunologist and director of Global Healthcare Consultants. In 2011, she led a research team that secured a first-in-class U.S. Food and Drug Administration medical device approval for an ASTM antimicrobial and antiviral face mask. She wrote a special guest column for us here at Forecast News that's now been shared with other media outlets, and her expertise is being sought out. Dr. Davison and I actually are reunited here. We gave birth to our babies at the same hospital about three years ago, and we reunite here to get some critical information out for the health of our children, our families, and now our world. And uh, Dr. Davison, things have intensified quite a bit since January. The world looks very different. First, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing very well, well enough. Um, I've got a whole bunch of infection prevention strategies uh, that are within my family. So I've been schooling my husband and my kids, even though my daughter's only three, about hand washing and making sure that you know high high traffic surfaces like your front door and your your um, the car handles to get in the car and elevator elevator buttons that you know even though she's three that she doesn't touch her face so we're we're just we're doing our best and also trying to get that kind of information just really simple information to people that can hopefully try and reduce some of this frenetic chaos and just the panic absolutely. that we're now seeing globally absolutely and i think the best medicine right now is information your article, Face Masks, Do's and Don'ts. Let's get right to it, okay? Now, in Asia, wearing face masks is a social norm. In the West, where I'm reporting from now, it's not. In fact, in the U.S., it's being recommended that you don't wear face masks unless you're sick. So who's right? Which is it? It's a little bit of both. Uh, if you look at a lot of items, just basic items that you use for, protect, for, for protection in life, um, one that even comes to my mind is the use of like a home pregnancy test or or even um, contraceptive, contra- contraceptives, things like um, like condoms, as much as it might sound very, um, very basic. It's the, it's the way that you use them. Um, if you use them correctly and according to instructions, then they actually provide the efficacy and the protection that's offered on the box or in the instructions. Um, if you wear a surgical face mask correctly, or an N95 uh, respirator, an FFP2. They they have different names, but basically an N95 respirator. If you wear those two items correctly, um, and just with a little bit of training, and you don't, there's not a lot of training that you that you need to read about how to wear them. They actually do protect you. The biggest issue that we're facing at the moment is supply, and globally, there just doesn't seem to be enough supply of either of those items, whether it be in Hong Kong. Australia. Uh, we have, I've traveled to New York since January. Even in January, there were no basic face masks available in, you know, normal stores, pharmacies, Target, uh, Walgreens, CVS. They, they were not available in January. And we're seeing through the media that even hospital and healthcare systems, you know, nurses and doctors at the front line, uh, airport workers, that, that they just simply don't have access to clean face masks. They're, they're basically a single-use item. And at the moment, the world just was not prepared for the number of masks that could be used and could be implemented to reduce the transmission of COVID-19. 
So the fact is people who need it don't have access to it. Worse yet, those on the front line like doctors, healthcare workers, nurses uh, are, are struggling with limited supply. So for the rest of the regular population, I guess that's the rest of us outside the system here who are still in relatively good health, knock on wood, um, and we don't have access to day-of-use face masks, what, what should we do? So I can give you, I can give you an example. So in, in, our, in my family and through work, I've managed just to get a handful of, of surgical face masks and one or two N95 respirators. I've got them tucked into my suitcase and I've got them packed, um, you know, in my, not in my handbag at the moment because I'm currently in Sydney. But at the moment, it's becoming kind of situation critical that the cases are skyrocketing in all of these places. So the, the focus has gone off China and it's gone to Italy, of course, and Europe and now the USA. Uh, and the cases are skyrocketing. And the unfortunate thing is, is a lot of social behavior that's coming in just simply out of fear. And people are exposing themselves unnecessarily to situations like uh, panic buying at Costco or at Walmart, uh, going up to the supermarket and, and queuing up together very closely, you know, face to face, cheek to cheek. Um, there's quite a lot of aggression as well. So you've got people who are pretty much in each other's faces. And now we really don't know who could potentially be, in, be infected, who could be a carrier. That's, that's actually another very important thing is the carrier status that a lot of people have. So a lot of people of middle age, young age and children can be carriers of COVID-19 and they can spread it. I think the it's called an R number and that's the number of people that you could potentially spread this to if you're infectious. That can be up to, the, they're thinking about two to three people. So you've got people in this panic going up to places and putting themselves at risk or in in, in, in harm's way potentially, going and doing panic buying close to, cl close, in, in close proximity, but without actually, I, I have, I've been watching people and there's pretty much no infection prevention strategies. People really don't seem to be adhering to social distancing as much as people are panic buying. And I've heard that not just the supermarkets are empty, but the local electronic stores where they sell fridges and freezers the freezers are now out of stock because people are buying secondary freezers to stockpile food. However, their daily life doesn't seem to be changing. People still seem to be at cafes and, have, and going to restaurants. It seems to me to be a little bit, unlike Hong Kong, a little bit of um, ignorance and a little bit of entitlement that this thing can't get me. Um, mm -hmm. And that's and that that is a that is a real shame. I don't see people applying any of the hand hygiene alcohol gels that they've bought or stockpiled. A lot of people are buying antimicrobial and antiviral hand wipes, but I don't see them using them. So at the moment, while people are actually in a position to have these items, they're not actually choosing to use them. And this is really the time where we do need to use those kind of strategies and those kind of products. How often should we be using? Uh, so say we do have to go out and we um, are going shopping uh, on an average day, okay? Um, what should we be doing? What, explain how you go about your day and all the things that you do. Um, just walk us through. Okay, so I, I apply 
uh, 10 years worth of laboratory training in biohazard labs to my daily life, which is something I never really thought I would have to do, but I'm, I'm very grateful uh, that I do that. I, I treat my hands like they are extensions of myself, but like they're tools. So they're not things that I would ever scratch my eyes with or touch my face with or um, unfortunately, you watch the general public and a lot of people pick their nose or they rub their nose. Your, once you leave the house, your hands should not touch your face. If you need to blow your nose, you should get two, two tissues, blow your nose and throw that away, but still don't touch your face. If you have alcohol hand gel after you blow your nose in a tissue and throw it away, then you should use some hand gel. Before you go to the supermarket, I always grab one of the, um, the hygiene wipes that most supermarkets make available when you first walk through the front door. Most recently, even down here in Sydney, um, those wipes that you usually see for, for supermarket trolleys are completely empty. Uh, I'm not sure if people are stealing them because <laughs> that, that's also been a big issue too. Um, but you should wipe down your trolley, the trolley handles that you use. You should go and do your shopping, put all the items in your shopping trolley, but still don't touch your face. Pay for your items. You touch coins and you touch money. And this is actually a very big thing. Coins, particularly in a lot of clinical studies, have been shown to be a breeding ground. And both viruses and actually some really nasty bacteria can stay alive on coins for, for days and days and days. So as soon as you take your money back or your coins and you put it back into your wallet, your hands have now got an increased burden again. By the time you get home and you've touched your car handles, you've now transmitted all the things that you've been touching onto your car door handles, onto your steering wheel, and onto your front door. It's actually no need, there's no need to panic. There's no need to, to worry about that. If you haven't touched your face, all you need to do when you go home is wash your hands again. If you have an emergency situation, say, for me, after I touch coins and put all my money away, I hand gel my hands straight away. And preferably, um, using a wipe. There's a lot of antimicrobial, antiviral hand wipes that have got the same kind of uh, substances in them that also inactivate pathogens, but you get that added, uh, added extra benefit and bonus of having a mechanical wipe as well. Because uh, when, when junk and, and just that sticky feeling, when that builds up on your hands, alcohol hand gel won't necessarily penetrate that because we also have a lot of natural oils on our hands that really grab onto, that they won't grow on our hands, but it's, it's kind of hard to get rid of them. So if you can use the, the hand wipes, the antimicrobial hand wipes after touching things like coins and give them, that's, that's the closest thing to a good wash. It, it's one step above just plain hand, uh, alcohol hand gel. And then once you get home, give your hands a really good wash. Don't forget your wrists. Don't forget your thumbs. Uh, don't forget to take off your rings as well. A lot of people don't take off their jewelry. They don't take off their rings when they wash their hands. And that's a really great place for really nasty things to sit underneath, uh, underneath your jewelry. So once you get home, wash your hands really well. Uh, give, your, give your front door a wipe down. Uh, give your, the, the handles on your car a really good wipe down, even give your steering wheel a good wipe down. Just just really think about the, the places that your hands are touched and just go and give them a really, really good wipe down uh, with some wipes. Um, soap and water does work very well just to remove things, but it won't kill or inactivate things. But there's really only a handful of hotspot places in our homes and in our cars and at the supermarket where we really need to make a big effort to, to make sure that they're clean during this COVID outbreak. 
Now, here in the United States, um, we're already getting um, uh, instructions to quarantine and social distance in counties across America. Schools are closed now. Uh, restaurants have been uh, asked to reduce capacity and even shut down. Broadway is shut down. Uh, everybody is getting ready to uh, bunker down, as they say, here in the U.S., mm. Um, so social distancing, what, what's a good rule in your mind with, with your vast, um, clinical experience of, you know, uh, should people from, should we just, you know, unfortunately stay, keep our distance from friends and, and, and relatives outside our family home for now? I think in the short term, I think that that's, that is a concept that would work. Um, but the unfortunate thing is, is human nature is going to trump fear. After a relatively short period of time, there's, there's been quite a lot of studies on the impact of loneliness and depression. As humans, we're, we're built to connect. Um, so for short periods of time, like a few days or a couple, maybe maybe a week, I think you'd find that most people would be able to adhere to self-quarantining at home. And this probably dovetails in this uh, this dovetails in with with the hoarding and the, the panic buying that we're seeing. Because the advice, from my understanding, is to buy enough food and supplies for two weeks. Now that's great, but if you look at what's if you look at the way that the cases have been exponentially rising. Uh, and, and this is just quite normal according to the laws of epidemiology. The, the cases have been skyrocketing in the US and also mm-hmm. in Europe, but more recently in the US. And if you, I, I'm really, I'm really surprised to see that even though social distancing has been recommended, but that buying for two weeks in some places has also been recommended. So right there in these, the equivalent of mass gatherings there are going to be big cluster outbreaks and contributions to a way larger, exponentially greater number of cases than could, it would be probably preventable. Um, social distancing does, does work, but it doesn't work on its own. There's a lot of clinical studies um, and clinical trials about that too. Usually you have to implement hand, rigorous hand hygiene with social distancing um, ideally, with some kind of uh, mask usage, if you have access to use to, to, to find or use a mask. Um, practically, no hugging, no kissing, no friendly kissing, you know, on the cheek, definitely none of that. There's no need really to touch anyone at the moment. Uh, no handshakes. I, I even don't understand the, the idea of elbow, elbow bumping because we're also being told to sneeze into our elbows. So that to me seems to be a little bit of a juxtaposition of, of concepts. There's really just no need to touch anyone mm. at the moment. Um, I would say, if possible, stand about one to one and a half metres away from somebody. Um, but again, these are really nice ideas on paper, but when you get flung out into the community, uh, and this goes back to Hong Kong where it's almost particularly, it's almost impossible in Hong Kong to be able to maintain that kind of distance mm-hmm. from people because of our population density. Mm-hmm. Well, the cities are are the biggest concerns right now, uh, especially across um, the globe, frankly. It, it's those cluster cities where people are living on top of each other that are seeing um, a, a wider spread. 
Uh, I mean, I, I was looking at watching the news yesterday and I saw images from O'Hare Airport and my, my brain as an epidemiologist in my younger years and a virologist and an immunologist, I, I just looked at the scenes from O'Hare and you can just see the knock-on effect of if there was just one or two people in that situation, the, the closeness of uh, the proximity of people to each other was literally cheek to cheek, face to face, that just that single event in and of itself could, could lead to innumerable numbers of cases. And there was no face masks to be seen, um, none at all. Um, it, to me, that's, it's a very interesting, um, it's a stigmatized concept wearing masks. Mm. Um, I've even heard down here in Australia, and I've also heard through some of some of my um, medically trained and people who are in uh, healthcare venture capital in the US, that really masks are only worn by Asians. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, to me, when something is a respiratory pathogen that is coming out of people's mouths, it's just common sense that you should try and cover your mouth. Um, I understand that the the original mask, uh, the original article that I wrote for forecast was just about using a proper mask and not relying or having faith on a homemade mask or a dodgy mask or something that was made from kitchen supplies or an, or an allergy mask. Um, but when you've got really large numbers in a gathering now, one misplaced, really wet, snotty sneeze could potentially infect 20, 30 or 40 people around you. So I, it would be great to see some kind of face protection being implemented uh, in the United States. I have seen it being done in Italy. Uh, if you look at footage coming out of Italy, most people now seem to have embraced the face mask or uh, respirator use. And this is just the general public as they line up for supermarkets or go, go about doing their shopping, even though they're in complete lockdown. Well, the problem here is you just can't find any. I mean, you can't find any on delivery on Amazon. You can't find any in the stores. You can't, I mean, it's not even a thing really to be well stocked in pharmacies. Mm. It's just not a thing. And, you know, you make a, a great point that uh, Asians are comfortable wearing masks because this all happened in their lifetime 10 years ago under SARS. Um, and that entire continent was trained to combat, um, and, and luckily it was, it was not uh, something that was spread widely around the globe. In, in, in this case, it has been, but um, it's, it's as if entire generations um, really on that continent just saw the effect and the impact of SARS um, and uh, over the past decade um, has, has essentially been trained to wash hands and, and to wear masks when people are sick. It's, it is a thing. Um, well, it seems like that, that is out of the bag now. That cat is out of the bag. It's not coming back. Um, face masks uh, for 350 million plus yeah. people in the United States is impossible. Um, and so social distancing, and you're absolutely right about uh, uh flying right now, um, even panic flying or panic shopping, that is a great point about exposing ourselves to whatever's out there because we, we don't know over the next two weeks as cases start to show itself, um, we have no idea. You're absolutely right. The other peculiar thing that I've noticed is spring breakers 
spring break, very popular here in the United States, college kids. Uh, they're partying like it's uh, everything is fine. Or maybe like it's the end of the world, but either way. Like it's 1999. It's 1999. Uh, either way, it's, it's extremely dangerous. What are the threats there? The, the threats there are, from an epidemiological point of view, you've got kids um, who are in close confines who are now very likely to be sharing drinks with each other, uh, doing what spring breakers do and, and you know, kissing and, and cuddling and all those kind of things. Um, at, it is pretty much irrefutable that there will be enough small, there, there will be enough small numbers of cases or individuals who have who are, who, who are COVID positive, who aren't showing any symptoms, and they will spread it to each other. But the, the biggest issue with that is the, the impact of COVID on young people and, and even neonates, babies, uh, young people, middle-aged people, the impact of, of, of this coronavirus on those, on those age groups is minimal. It's the equivalent of a cold but its transmissibility is quite high. And the people that we should be caring about uh, or that they should be thinking about as opposed to, I, I mean, teenagers generally are quite an entitled group <laughs> and they always feel that things are never going to hurt them. Um, you know, they drive recklessly, they drive at high speeds, they drink too much, they just do what kids, what kids do. Um, but the thing is, it will affect their grandparents. And I'm pretty sure that if you ask most most young people of school age or university age, they ha it's a it's a love that most kids have. That's it's just a very special relationship that most kids of that age have with their grandparents. So they need to be thinking about their grandparents uh, because they'll very easily transmit this to to them. Anyone who's over seventy, I think that the fatality rate goes up to over ten percent. If you're over 80, it can head up towards 20 to 30 percent. It, it's really those age groups, the aged aged care groups, are actually really really terrified right now, and justifiably so. And finally, Dr. Davison, you and I have—they're uh, now three years old, and um, you know they're they're probably better experts than I am uh, at my age now at washing their hands. Um, how do you, though, keep a little one who's curious and, and, you know, spirited and running around not to touch their face? That's a really difficult one, Angie. And if you, crack, if you could crack that one, <laughs> <laughs> let me know. But I, I actually think, I think um, I've, I've held my daughter the equivalent of a hostage a few mm. times by just grabbing mm. her forearms, particularly at the supermarket when mm. she has a fondness for, for <laughs> I'm not going to say licking, but almost putting her face on the conveyor belt. And I, I almost have a meltdown at the moment when that happens. But I just, I just grab her hands um, and I carry with me at all times. I kind of feel like I'm armed and dangerous. Uh, in my back pocket, I've got some hand gel. And in my other pocket, if I don't have antimicrobial wet wipes, I've just got plain tissues. Um, mm. And I'll put a little bit of hand gel onto on, onto a tissue if that's desperate, because okay. I, I think that at some point we're going to have to come up with ways that we can create our own wet wipes or, or things like that, so that if we are out in the community, we can still go to some decent effort to try and sanitize our hands. So I'll just grab her hands and I'll wipe her hands and I'll try and explain to her why I'm doing it and that you know there, there's something that can make people sick and we have to we have to be careful. So don't touch your hands. Yeah. Um, that's that's the best that, that I can do. 
Um, in my mind, I've accepted that at some point in the next, because I, I don't believe that this will go away in the next couple of months. I think we're going to be living through this probably until the end of summer in the US, at least that we might see a curtailing of it around the end of summer in the US. Mm. Um, but the likelihood, it's up to 80% that someone in all of our families is going to be diagnosed positive with COVID. So we just have to do the best that we can do to not contract it in the first place, uh, have a little bit of an altruistic perspective and, and look after the people around us, look after the community, uh, look after the community and our grandparents and the elderly. Uh, there is no such thing as herd immunity, which is something I've been reading in the news lately, um, because the herd immunity only applies to, to a situation where vaccination has been possible. So there is no herd immunity and there's no data yet on once you've had COVID once, if you have protective immunity against it the second time, should you be or can you be reinfected? We just don't know a lot about it in that way yeah. yet. So, you know, this started as as an article about face masks, but I think we've gone way past that. And now it's just mitigation. Wash your hands, uh, stay at home and stay well. <laughs> Stay well and, and do try. Um, I, I really, if I could implore everyone, particularly in the United States where, where we're seeing it, it's the newest place to really be hit, just some order, some politeness, you know, give people space around you. I think items will be available. The, the US as well as Australia pr produces so much of their own industry, um, whether in a commercial industry, whether it's to do with consumables or the food industry. It, it will be okay and food will be available and all those items we need will be available. So the best thing we can do is just go out and be a decent citizen while we're trying to manage this. Amen. And, and in this digital age, we have the greatest resource right now at our fingertips, each other. Um, and we safely share as much information and knowledge as possible. Uh, and Dr. Davison, thank you for sharing your expertise and knowledge with us. And, and uh, my best to you and your family uh, and everyone out there listening right now. I'm Angie Lau, Editor-in-Chief of Forecast News. Stay healthy, stay safe. Until the next time. Thank you.